So, is my voice? Oh, it is. Okay. Um. Well, that's gonna serve as the intro. Hi everyone. That was that was that was loud. I am I am truly sorry for that. I'm adjusting the microphone and I'm in a new sitting area. So, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Stuff We Are Obsessed With. I am your benevolent god emperor, Jose, and I am joined by no one because Jokdan is pulling a double on the pole tonight, so he can't join us today to discuss the first episode of a two-parter. Yes, we, we've decided for, well, mostly I, or the circumstances of with, which put us to do this two-parter um kind of forced us to do a two-parter episode but yes you are getting your first two-parter episode on conspiracy theories i know right let's it it wasn't enough that we rambled for an hour and something last time about demonic possession let's do it now about conspiracy theories and then let's do it and i'm gonna do it myself yes so i i I am gonna probably end up going even more crazy by the end of this because i'm sitting in my apartment by myself with my notes talking into this microphone and hopefully you know i don't go create more crazy than i am right now but it, it will happen Well, what are conspiracy theories? Well, according to Webster's Dictionaries, it's a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as a result of a secret plot by usual powerful conspirators. Ooh, spooky. All right. Uh, Why are we fascinated by conspiracy theories? That's always something that I, as a person, have been kind of interested in. I don't want to say that I believe in all the crazy ones. Like, I don't think that the whole moon landing was faked like i get i get how people now especially kids of this generation can believe that the the moon landing was fake because the government hasn't really done anything great in the past couple years but you know um at one point we did go to the moon so yeah so some conspiracy theories could actually be real some of them you know could be just entirely just made up to fill a void some of them could just be racist because uh, a big chunk of conspiracy theories do come from that sort of mentality of racial superiority of those just come from the possibility that we are not entirely human that we were actually brought to this planet by other beings to basically uh take care of this world or others just basically are more simple like there's reptile people and they're in charge of everything or like i said we can go to all the even more but the, the, the point is the conspiracy theories are an interesting topic and that's the topic that we're going to be talking about today well at least i'm going to be talking about today and you unfortunately because most of you are contractually obligated you are going to be sitting there and you're going to be listening to me ramble uh, for a good while hopefully i will keep you interested and and you will enjoy listening to my rambling and hopefully i will um use what 
some creative, artistical, theatrical talent I have to keep you entertained with all the weird shit that can come out of my mouth and how I pronounce things, that it doesn't come out so bored. You know, you're not bored. That is the point. The point is you're not bored today and you enjoy the the the, the, the nonsense that we're going to be hearing about today. Um... Uh, Keep in fact that this does not mean that I believe in most of these conspiracy theories. I'll let you know when I believe in them. And then we can talk about them together. I don't know how, but we'll figure that part out. All right, let's start with conspiracy theory number one, QAnon. All right, why did I chose QAnon? I live in Tennessee. Um, yeah, that's basically it. I live in the South. And QAnon is a very present thing here. The whole Trump conspiracy thing it's predominant here in the south and for a while i've been very interested in what qanon is and how it basically is just another racist narrative wrapped around a conspiracy theory it's just another one of those from a long line and qanon is just the latest one that is just taking a life of its own at this point so let's begin uh, so it's a Big Ten conspiracy. Basically, it means that QAnon, it's not defined by just one general conspiracy. It's many of them put together to form this group. Uh, many components of the conspiracy theories have made their way into QAnon, but the main focus of the conspiracy is that Trump is facing down against a shadowy cabal of democratic pedophiles. This shadowy group has been referred to as cannibalistic satanic liberal pedophiles. This global secretive group operates a worldwide child sex trafficking ring. I, this is, this is a lot. I, okay. So basically what they're saying is that Trump, Trumpy, you know, Donnie boy, uh, he is facing down this group of people who worldwide are in charge of a sex ring trafficking kids that's that's the general that is the general point of QAnon that is the main trunk of it and then everything else is just comes out of it like all the weird shit that, that you know that we'll I'll kind of glance over it later but that's the main point the main point of QAnon is that Trump is facing down some sex trafficking pedophiles who happen to be cannibals and satanists and, and liberals and and democrats yeah. Okay. Um, to to many, the ideology of QAnon and its message almost resembles that of a cult, with Trump as its main figurehead, which is very interesting because QAnon is primarily made of Christians, um, white, white Christians, which is again very interesting that these other people there are kind of promoting this agenda of course i'm not generalizing that every member of QAnon is white and christian i do know a few people who happen to be puerto rican and part of the qq but you know we are not going to be talking about that we're just going to be you know, generalizing everything so it's very interesting that this group is primarily have a sort of christian undertone and the, a christian quote-unquote message goes hand in hand with QAnon because it, it literally contradicts everything the Bible is saying, specifically about when false leaders, that they'll be spewing lies, but the people will not know that that's happening. It, this reminds me specifically of a story, I don't remember if it's in Revelation or if it's before Revelation, that there's three men and they 
have frogs in their throat and they're I, I think they're like false messengers it's some shit like that i honestly cannot remember by the life of me the entire details of it but the whole thing of trump if you want to look at a symbolic religious which is kind of my thing um trump can be viewed as that the the, the idea of QAnon is kind of like that okay so one of the tenets of QAnon states that Trump is planning a massive series of arrests against these elite cabal members. There have been several dates on Twitter that uh, reference this alleged, alleged date of all the arrests. And now I'm going to be taking a sip from my coffee cup, uh, my mug, which is a uh, shout out to Cameron from work. Thank you for giving me this coffee mug that says spill the tea, sis. Uh, and I do. I, I do spill the tea a lot. So... Here's to you, everyone. Good morning. That was your treat of ASMR. You're welcome. All right, let's continue. <laughs> uh, all, the, all these arrests were meant to happen on the day known as the storm. Uh, so the storm, it's, it's that big day that all these, all these people, all these members of the cabal, whether they're not there in their homes, when they're in the church, wherever they are, Trump was going to send... An army, he was going to send the police, he was going to send everything he had at his disposal after these people and arrest them and end the, the, the trafficking. That, that was the day that was happening. And, and if you go on the Twitters, I don't think Twitter anymore still has the pictures, but you can Google, uh, Google image search, search the pictures of the storm. Granted, you could the the storm could also be referred to as the the January sixth event, but that I I I think that the events are I think the events are two different things completely because the storm was mostly was mostly focusing on Trump arresting these people. He was arresting the opponents, his political opponents. Which again, if you people seen The Handmaid's Tale, which again Hulu's not sponsoring us, but I hope so one day they will. Um, if you've seen The Handmaid's Tale, this is kind of what happens. The Sons of Jacob, at the beginning, when they were taking power, they, I think it was in the Senate or the Capitol, I mean, the same thing, the Senate and the Capitol building, but it's something like that. Um, but I don't remember if it was in New York or if it was in Washington. The point is, they, they killed a bunch of opposition members that were against their political party. And that's how they were able to warp around the Constitution or suspend the Constitution, if I'm correct, uh, in their favor. And again, it's this, this, ladies and gentlemen, it's what we call fascism and coops. Okay, so we continue. Uh, all of these arrests were meant to happen in the day of storm. Uh, supporters of QAnon have accused Hollywood actors, Democratic politicians, high-ranking government officials... Uh, of being part of the child sex trafficking cabal. All of this is without any evidence. I'm going to repeat that one more time because I think we should all swallow that very slowly. All of this is without evidence. You're welcome. All right, we continue. Uh, they claim that the Russian interference in the 2016 election was part of the plot to seek help of Robert Mueller into exposing the sex trafficking ring to help stop the coup d'etat planned by Obama, the Clintons, and George Soros. Let me, let me, let me, let me, 
Yes, I did. I did a, a lip smack. I'm sorry. We're we're gonna go extremely gay on some things, and I I hope you enjoy it. But let me let me explain this. Br- let me brush this with a new with a new spin. They're claiming that Russia deliberately did this. You know, they they in they seek the help of Russia. So getting the help of a foreign country to meddle in with your election that is fine that is perfectly okay because you're going to get homeboy robert Mueller on your team to help you stop these pedos i just i just don't i just um i mean the fact alone that the the the, the, the idea that these people the, the belief, the ideology of them is okay with a foreign country interfering with our election. Okay, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna go into a sign out right now because I, I did, we just sign out, sign out time, sign out time. And sign note, um, Joe Soros is a Hungarian born American. For those of you who do not know who George Soros is, which I'm pretty sure most of you or kind of some of you. He is a billionaire investor and a philanthropist. And as of March 2021, he has a net worth of $8.6 billion. He was born in Budapest and survived the German occupation of Hungary and moved to the UK in 1947. He began his career by taking various merchant jobs in the United Kingdom. Soro is known as the man who broke the Bank of England. Uh, yeah, well, there's not very, there's not, there's no comment on that one. Let's get this, this is another point, that's another point. Uh, there are many conspiracy theories surrounding George Soros. Uh, many believe that he is secretly the puppet master, be, um, yeah, uh, that he is secretly the puppet master controlling the world's economy. So, they're, they're saying the homeboy is Palpatine, which... Granted, if you look up pictures of George Soros, he kind of does look like Palpatine, but they're saying that he's Palpatine and in a way that he's secretly sitting in the background, um, pulling the strings with money on certain world events. Um, there was one of the uh, a theory that I found. I said that he was one of the people that um, sponsored a lot of these protests against Trump, specifically a lot of the BLM protests. Uh, a lot of the uh, women's march protests, all that stuff. He allegedly he was a big proponent of that in order to go against, you know, the the the, the Trump uh, administration. Uh, many of these theories against Soros comes from the politicians who lean more towards the right. And to that, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give you an image of Kermit drinking his coffee cup. Here you go. Okay. All right. Um, in 2018, a pipe bomb was placed in the mailbox of George Soros' home. The package was discovered by a caretaker. For several days afterwards, similar packages were sent to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and several Democratic political leaders. All right, let's continue on with more QAnon facts. Okay, so the origins of the conspiracy began with a post on the website 4chan by Q in October of 2017. It is believed that at least two people post as Q in different periods. Um, th- the posts were weird. That's what I'm going to say. And then the people who were picking apart the messages of him were 
moving them to these uh, I the documentary I saw they were moving them to a, a another messaging board where they decipher the messages so you can understand better what Q was trying to convey to the people um but honestly it looked like a hot mess uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, Q claimed to be a high-ranking member of the government with Q-level clearance. Hence the name Q. Yeah, okay. Uh, who had access to information from the Trump administration? I mean, who didn't? There were leaks coming out left and right from that place. Just, just as me, everyone did. Uh, NBC reported that the original Q post was spread across multiple platforms by three people. Which brings us to a social media side note, because again, we're all about learning here and you are forced to listen to me ramble. So I'm sorry, you, you just gonna, you're just going to have to learn about shit that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, in recent years, social media has played a predominant role in the spread of conspiracy theories. A 2019 FBI report cites conspiracy theories as a new form of domestic terrorism. A clear sample of this was the hashtag Pizzagate incident. I honestly think that that is the most stupidest one I've heard about the Pizzagate conspiracy. I am not gonna. I. 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 I honestly, that is that is the, the most stupid one. And then the the poor place got even attacked by a dude who went there literally seeking the secret basement where the children were kept. Bruh. Okay, we continue. Uh, social media has made uh, has made this easier because the barrier of trust that exists between the news and the customer is demolished when you're getting your information from Karen Mima's Facebook post. Social media formulates the news we want to see and read. Basically, you are being spoon-fed the information you want to see. Um, the news feed on your Facebook wall it's it's designed for you it is me it's basically like if you have a tiktok account the, the your algorithm of your for you page is based on your likes and your interests so your facebook wall you're going to be getting the news that you want to hear if you want to surround yourself with nonsense you will just get nonsense you know it's basically it and in most of these cases actually if you are if you pay attention to a lot of the people who who have been dying recently from COVID, it's because of that. It's because of misinformation they're getting from Facebook. It's because of misinformation they're doing themselves. And it's specifically information they're looking for. Because if you want to find out about this, you will specifically go to this information. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's the one of the big things that is happening with that that social media does it it is a proponent for this it it is a tool in a way that allows people to just view the world however it is they want it to to be unfortunately okay i'm sorry to bring everyone down that is what i do and since it's 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 yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna write this ad for a little bit and now we're back okay in august of 2019 trump uh during a trump rally a man warming up the crowd used a QAnon motto which goes where we go one we go all yeah okay 
cool. Uh, an analysis that was done by the Media Matter for America states that as of October of 2020, Trump amplified the QAnon message at least 260 times by retweets or mentions on his Twitter account. Thank God that man's Twitter was suspended because I couldn't keep insulting him every day. I, I it, it was too much. It, it was too much. Granted, now... I got Caitlyn Jenner to do that, uh, to focus on that. But, you know, it's a duty. All right, we continue. Uh, Trump was known as Q+. Q+. I don't think that man has ever seen a plus in his life. But, uh, yeah. Uh, well, no. Okay. The exact numbers of followers of the Q is unknown, but the group maintains a strong and large online presence. Very true. That is very true, unfortunately. Unfortunately. The the image board website 8chan, later rebrand Acoon in 2019, has been the home of Q since he moved from 4chan. On a post on June 2020, Q told his followers to take the digital oath. Many did by using the hashtag #TakeTheOath. Um, yeah, they, he was basically forming a digital army of soldiers. Why? Okay. Um, many uh, social media platforms began to take steps to limit the spread of these misinformations. Uh, Twitter has banned uh, a thou thousands of QAnon affiliate accounts. Facebook later joined in several months. Because Facebook is very, very special. Many of the QAnon followers began to move platforms to dedicated messaging boards where they began to organize to unleash information warfare in an attempt to influence the 2020 presidential elections. They were basically fangirling super hard on Trump that they were trying to get people on his shit. That's what they were trying to do. Okay. Uh, after Trump lost the election, Q updates dramatically began to decline. The QAnon narrative became part of the attempts to overturn the 2020 election. All of this culminated with the attacks on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. I was at work when that happened, and that was that was an interesting. That was very interesting because I, I kind of think at, at some point in time that's going to be like the "Where were you when 9/11 happened?" moment, you know? Uh, which I wasn't taking a math exam in the seventh grade when that happened. Uh, but yeah, I was at work when the attack in the Capitol happened. And I was just, I think I was picking something. I think I was picking a phone and my, one of my, my coworker was sitting, standing next to me and she's looking at her phone. She's looking at the news and she goes, can you, can you believe this? I'm like, what's going on? What's happening now? And she says, they're attacking the Capitol. And my reaction was, uh, not surprised, uh, which is, which is true. It's true. I was I, I was not surprised, like, honestly, but the, all the buildup that has been going on up to that moment and, and yeah, that was, that was going to happen, but you know, it happened. All right. So, uh, here's a brief list of some of the conspiracy theories promoted by trump this is a side note i forgot to mention that side note on trump okay uh false birther conspiracy trump peddled the false claim in an interview in 29 
2011, as well as a 2012 tweet in which he claimed to have extreme credible source telling him that the birth certificate of Barack Obama was fraud. It wasn't. Uh, he also, another one, uh, Ted Cruz's father and JFK assassination. In May 2016, a in a national interview, Trump basically uh, linked his competitor's father with the man who assassinated JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, this claim originated from a National Enquirer story about a photo that was taken months before the assassination. And I think the article even went to say that the photo was compared to a passport and it wasn't like a full I can't remember that part, but yeah. Uh, Epstein and the Clintons, adding more gas to the already growing web of theories surrounding the death of Jeffrey Epstein, Trump retweeted a post in which suggested that the Clintons were somehow involved in the death of Epstein. This tweet used the hashtag Clinton body counts. Bro, that that was that was you know what I compare Trump. Trump is like when you're going out and you you start dating the messiest person you've ever been. And not only are they messy, but they're nasty. They're rude. They're racist. They they have bad hair. And, and they're into weird fetishes that you're just not cool with in, in a personal way. I mean, you st you're still cool with the person and their shit. But, you know, the, there's some shit you don't want to cross. And, yeah, Trump was that. Trump was that terrible experience that we had to go through. And we're trying to get over it. But some of our friends just don't want to get over that relationship. And they're trying really, really hard to get back into it. And, unfortunately, it was too, too just too toxic. Just too toxic for everybody to deal with. So, we, we can't. We can't do that. Wow, what was that? I don't know. Let's just take another sip of our coffee and enjoy our morning because we're going to go to our next topic, which is going to be National Forest. All right. So, what are national parks? Since 1916, National Park Services has been entrusted with the care of our national parks. With the help of volunteers and partners, we safeguard these places. Oh, special places, I'm sorry. These special places. And share their stories with more than 318 million visitors every year. But our work doesn't stop there. That's from their website. I forgot to mention that's from their website. Uh, the conspiracy theory surrounding National Park states that these places were created with the main focus to keep something inside of these controlled locations. So basically what it's saying is that these parks are giant prisons for unknowns or monsters or we are going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about uh, the possibility of two things living in these parks. But first, before that, let's let's do a little side note on Teddy Roosevelt, often called the conservation president, impacted the national park system well beyond his term in office. He doubled the number of sites within the national park system as president from 1901 to 1909. He signed legislations establishing five new parks, Crater Lake in Oregon, Wind Cave in South Dakota, Silly Hills in North Dakota, later redesigned a game preserve, Mesa Verde, Oh my god, I'm Spanish and I said that wrong. Mesa Verde, there we go, in Colorado, 
in Platt in Oklahoma. Now, part of the Chicksaw, the Chicksaw, oh my God, I am so sorry, you guys. The Chicksaw, Chickasaw, yeah, Chickasaw Nation Recreation Area. However, another Roosevelt enactment had a broader effect. The Antiquities Act of June 8, 1906. The Antiquities Act enabled the president uh, and succeeding presidents to proclaim historic landmarks or historic or prehistoric structures and other objects of historic scientific interest and federal ownership as national monuments. Basically, he gave it gave him the power to establish places as historic and places that need to be preserved. Uh, because up to this point, I don't think that that was a thing. And, you know, they were fucking up places. Um, so this, this, this is, this, this act gave the president and, you know, every other president from the future, the ability to grant to certain locations, you know, that protection. And that's how we have historic buildings. Yay. All right. Now let's start with, uh, this, this conspiracy that we're going to talk about right now about national parks, I think it's an interesting one. It's one that I won't fully 110% say that I'm on board with. I do believe that there is a great possibility that something like this could exist, but it has to be taken with some sort of grain of salt and how it is interpreted and how it we're going to talk about feral people living in the national parks okay these rumors or theories began to take outcry in our modern day conversation thanks to tiktok basically tiktok began um reintroducing this topic again into conversation into the conversation nowadays uh evidence to prove all the possibilities it uh of this is little to almost non-existing yet the theory persists uh this is okay again again i found research that said that is that this is that this theory is kind of not true or not true itself i found another theory researcher says there is possibility that they could be true so again grain of salt let's just go with that grain of salt uh, the feral cannibals are living in the national park forests. That's basically it. It says they, they, there's cannibals, you know, crazy, wild, savage people living in the national parks. And they're, they happen to like human meat. Uh, uh, this idea was explored in a short the, uh, in a, in a short episode of American Horror Stories, which was the, the, the series that uh, the, the, the show was doing for FX. In Hulu, there was an episode, I think it was episode six, was called Feral. And that episode explored this story of these parents, they're with their kid and they're going into the national parks, they're going to go on vacation. And while the dad and the kid are going towards the creek or the river to go fish, uh, the little kid mysteriously just disappear vanishes into thin air uh it is later revealed that he was taken by a feral person from the forest and at the end he is shown to be like their leader or their king or something like that and they the the the, the feral people around him 
eat his parents because they're they're they were searching for him. Granted, there was like a, a, a I think it was like a ten year or nine year gap leap in the story by that point. So again, the kid was a little older. He spoke in that weird broken English that the the feral people were speaking, and they he, they started eating his parents. It was it was very it was very family. It was a beautiful family bonding moment. Honestly, it was just great television. Some of the claim uh, that it could be a satanic cannibalistic feral cult. You know, it's, it's a cult of satanic cannibals who just happen to be feral people who live in the forest. That is a lot of things for them to be. You're either going to be a cannibal or a Satanist. But you can't be both at the same time. And you also can't be... A, I mean, you can't be both at the same time. But you also... Being feral as at the same time. That's a lot. That's a lot, I guess, for a person. I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to see that. I mean, at work, people have to do like... 30,000 things at the same time. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, a lot of these claims about the Pharaoh people are around the woods of the state of Tennessee, specifically in the area around the Smoky Mountains in the Appalachian region. All right. This is this is a shout out to Kara from work. Hey. So uh, one of my friends from work, I actually, she grew up. I think it was, I, I apologize, Kara. I didn't remember. I think it was like an hour or 20 minutes away from the Appalachian, so the, so the Great Smoky Mountains. And I asked her about this. If her When she was growing up, she was told about feral people living or wild people living in the mountains. And her reaction was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom. My mom told me. Oh, yeah. So, again... The, a lot of these stories are folk, can be concentrated within areas, but again, if, if there's more than one person talking about all of this, there has to be some sort of truth to the possibility that there could be people living in the forest and they're they're little dangerous to everyone else. I mean, they could be not so dangerous, but again, they could be cannibals, Satanists, and feral people. At the same time. All right, let's go. Uh, these stories of the pharaoh people in the National Forest are some are more a little bit more folklore than conspiracy theories. So, uh, but I, what I mean by that is that they're more the 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 theory about pharaoh people is more folklore than conspiracy theories. It's because uh, there's they sort of share a link, a, flor- a folkloric link, uh, to the stories of the wild man the in in the the wild man in medieval literature and art. Uh, he will, the image of him will later become, you can, Chewbacca. It's kind of that, that whole hairy figure. That's basically what the wild man will look like. Um, and that's sort of where the, in a way that the, the idea of the feral man came from. If it's, again, it's a more folkloric legend. But again, when you have people saying that, at night they hear strange footsteps or don't go into the woods because Mima saw something or Papa saw something, you know, at some point you, when like we mentioned last time in the past episode of demonic possession, you can explain things to a certain extent, but then there, there comes a point where you just have to take a step back and be like, Hmm, I don't know. But yeah, again, at this, at this point, it's it could have it could have some influence from this original story of the wild man but again all stories have some sort of grain of truth again 
possible. In many cases, these stories could have originated from the moonshiners themselves, <laughs> moonshiners themselves, <laughs> to keep people away from their uh, from their doings in the mountains. Basically, the moonshiners will tell people lies about wild, feral people in the mountains, so no one will go up into the mountains to go look for the for them and stumble upon moonshiners making their lick their liquor during the prohibition era which was a big no no so that's a theory as to how this story could have possibly started within our area within this mountainous area in tennessee kentucky west virginia why did i throw a kentucky in there i don't know let's just go on let's just go on but what is clear to many of these uh mountainous communities on the Appalachians and the Smoky Mountains is that a lot of these uh, so-called feral people uh, theories could be seen as a discriminatory form of talking about them. Granted, most of these people do live in isolated areas. Most of these people do live in extreme poverty uncommon extreme poverty and yes there is the situation that it could happen that the the family may have engaged in incestuous acts and you know there could be a history of inbreeding there you know it, it does give enough of a enough of a ground for the pos for the possibility of all these feral people to exist but again it it, it could also be you know a, a, a horrible way to describing these people who live in those conditions and one of this case which brings us to a side note of the nation of the feral folk uh it's a uh, we're going to be talking about the whitaker family and this is this is family this family is from Odd, West Virginia. They are a very, very infamous case of inbreeding. Very severe inbreeding has gone in that family. Um, I believe uh, there. I think there's only four uh, of the family members. I think three siblings and a cousin. Two of them are. Yeah, two of them are not fully able to communicate properly and one of one of the two barks and then the other two one can sort of repeat words and then the other one um can can communicate to an extent um and physically they do show signs of um inbreeding and they do show a lot of uh signs of mental illness and all that stuff but one of one of the interesting things about the the Whitakers from West from Odd West Virginia is that they are really nice people. I, I was viewing a documentary about them, and it it stated in the documentary that they are very well beloved by their community and they're very well protected by their community as well, to the point that I th I believe it was two local deputies uh would warn people uh to not go searching for the Whitakers because uh visitors are not very well received because of that. So yeah, they 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 protect the, this this family very well. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the severe that's a infamous case of inbreeding in the U.S. from the Whitaker family. Okay. But uh, let's give some 
some groundwork to the possibility that feral people exist. You know, let's 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 cultivate that that notion that in the in our national parks, if you do go beyond a certain area, you are exposing yourself to the possibility of being eaten by a feral person. Um, there, there's, there's, there has to be some sort of uh, credible, possible evidence towards this, or at least, you know, give doubt towards this. The Cowden, I think I pronounced that right, the Cowden family, they were, comp- they were made of Richard, his wife Belinda, and their two, two children, David and Melissa, disappeared in their campground in Siskiyou Mountains near Cooper, Oregon. Seven months later, their bodies were discovered seven miles from their original location. The father uh, was bound to a tree and a nearby inn uh, close by in a cave. The bodies of the mother and the children were found. The cave was sealed off with rocks. So, yeah, they they looked for the... They, the, the report said that the dad must have been killed in that area right there but the mother and the kids were killed in a different location and they moved there there was a suspect arrested his name was Dwayne little lee but here's the but this the case still remains open you know it still remains unsolved to this day even though they arrested someone it still remains unsolved why could have been possible that the family were camping and they could have been camping in the wrong area. They could have been camping near uh, a, a path that some feral folk live on and they were unfortunately victims of an attack. Or they happen upon them. The, the, this family you know, intruded on their land and these people defended themselves. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, the dad being tied to the tree uh, and, the, and the women and the children being buried in a cave does give, does give the, the, the room of the possibility that it could have been more than one person doing all this work. But again, it's, it's possible. It is possible that something like this could have been done by more than one person individual to this family you know it's 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 a possibility possibility another one it's a in 1969 uh dennis martin (laughs) i'm sorry in 1969 dennis martin disappeared in the great smoky mountains national parks in tennessee he was six years old at the time the search was the most intensive in the park's history. It involved 1,400 searchers, and it covered a total of uh, 56 square miles. His father was very prominent on the possibility that he was taken by someone. So about the theory, his father, there was three theories as to what could have happened to him. One could have been that he was exposed to the elements because of a storm, got lost, and died. Uh, another one, he could have stumbled upon a bear or a mountain lion, and uh, he died. And then the third one was that he was taken. His father is like very adamant into. I don't remember, I didn't search if his father is still alive, but he, his father was very clear that he that there was a possibility that he was definitely taken. 
there was a, a campers or a family, if I can't remember what it was, that was several miles from the location of where the boy was taken. And they heard a scream so loud that it froze them in their steps. There was also a theory that they that, that a, a white van was seen and a man was seen throwing something into the van and, and then he sped off, you know. Uh, again, a, a lot of those particular theories were not fully, you know, confirmed as possibilities, specifically about the white van, if I'm correct. But again, the theory was kind of thrown. If he was taken, he could have also been taken by the feral folk in the mountains. It is possible if we're going to indulge the possibility of that happening the kid was taken that's also a true if you're here listening to my my ramblings thus far you must agree that the, it, it, not agree but at least you know that the, the idea that if there are crazy if there are wild people living in the mountains they could have taken a kid okay now uh if this is this this part is super quick now, if we are going to in- use the national parks as uh, enclosures uh, to control these creatures that we don't have a control of the population, stuff like that, you know, what kind of creatures would we have in these national parks, you know? So, obviously, the, the, the most known one is the Bigfoot in the Olympic National Forest. Bigfoot is... A, a big one he that because you know this it stated the national parks was created for it so bigfoots could have their own locations another one in the great smoky mountains at Spearfingers. uh there's banshees in the badlands and national parks and for everyone listening back home the junque rainforest of puerto rico was created to house and protect the chupacabra yeah uh, that is a theory as to why the Junker was a created. And it's also most, a couple of more theories about the area, saying that it is a military base. So th- there's a lot of theories that say it's in all of these forests, it's always a hidden military base where all these creatures are kept and they're monitored and they're supervised. And then when something happens, these people have to go and take care of things. But again, it's a theories that there's a possibility of that happening. And we're all about theories and possibilities of things happening, like being happy. Now, next topic in which we're going to talk about the Royal British Family. Let me begin. Let me begin this part by saying, saying this. I love the Royals. Okay. I love the Royals. I am fascinated by the idea of them. None of them as people, because there are a couple of them, they're shitty people. But the idea of an individual that represents a crown, he represents a station that is more symbolic than anything else, it is very interesting. It's very interesting for a figurehead to just be silent, be neutral, and not take a stand and just represent hope represent the the idea of the country that that to me is very interesting as what the royals are but you know if we're going to talk about the royals the royals do have a lot of conspiracy theories uh, surrounding them we can go as far back as you know during the reign of 
Elizabeth the first, the the golden age of the of Great Britain. Um, there were there were theories that said that um, Elizabeth the first was a man. You know, there, there's sort of rumors uh, as such as that. There's a, there were also rumors, you know, conspiracy theories made about her mother Anne Boleyn that she was you know engaging in incestuous acts. You know, these the royal families of Great Britain are just delicious with so much scandal and so much conspiracy so there there's you you fling you throw a rock in a hallway and you probably hit like seven of those it, it's 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 beautiful it's beautiful but today we're going to talk about two that i want to uh share a little bit more light on because if, you know the, the the usual one of uh, the lizard people the, the queen is a lizard person it's 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 you know overdone it's and we know about it the other the most common one that you know prince philip the duke of edinburgh was dead but he wasn't dead you know again we all know that you know by that i meant he he, he physically died but his body hasn't caught up to him so it took him a while until he finally died that's kind of what i meant you know but today the two theories in which we're going to be talking about is Prince Charles is a vampire. And then the second one is Princess Diana was murdered. Alright, so let's begin with the first one. Prince Charles is a vampire. In 2011, in an interview with NPR, Prince Charles said, Alright, I'm gonna try... Listen, I'm going to try this really fucking hard because I practice to see if I can imitate his voice because I, I just think that the, the British ac- the British royal accent is fucking funny. And I am here by myself talking, rambling. So I have to keep you guys as interested as much as I can. And so the idea of me being all spazzy and doing weird voices is fun. So let's try it. Let's try it. Let's try it. <clears throat> Here we go. This is this is my imitation of Prince Charles. Transylvania is in my blood. The genealogy shows that I am a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. You see, it was terrible. I'm. It was terrible. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I have to wait, and I'm still watching The Crown, so I haven't heard him talk yet. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right. You're still here. You still have to listen and and laugh at my weird imitation. So, haha, jokes on you. You're contractually obligated. Alright, let's talk about Dracula. Side note, Vlad the Impaler was a 15th century prince of Wallachia, modern day Romania. The name Dracula originated, originally came from his father, who was given the name after he became a member of the Order of the Dragon. He was known as Vlad Dracul, Vlad the Dragon. Dracula literally means son of the dragon in modern day romanian dracul means the devil further adding more fire to the mythology of vlad the impaler the other names that he was known for is vlad setish uh, vlad the impaler literally means setish means the impaler this name was given to him for his fondness of impaling his enemies and for those of you who don't know by impaling he will take a giant Pole with a spiky end, and he will shove it up the person's hoo-ha, up their bottles, and then he will place them in the ground, and then he will stand down, and while the person will slowly drip 
down on the pole being ripped from the inside. There were cases that sometimes, you know, sometimes he will sit down and he will collect a bowl of the person's blood and then he will dip a piece of bread in the blood and he will eat it. There were other cases in which he invited, uh, I think it was a Muslim delegation from the Ottoman Empire. I think it was that. They came to his palace. They refused to take their turbans off, which he found extremely rude that they did not take their hats off. And he nailed their turbans to their heads so they wouldn't take them off ever again. He, he sounded like a fun dude. All right, let's talk about more some, some more about Prince Charles. Prince Charles uses his blood connection to Dracula to promote his interest in the future of the UK and his focus to conserve its forests. Prince Charles actually owns a home in Transylvania. In the small town of Viscri, the Prince of Wales owns a rural farmhouse. He bought the property in 2006 after falling in love with the country after visiting it in 1996. One of the reasons that it's uh, one of the reasons that gives weight to the possibility that the royal families may be vampires, it's because of the diseased porphyria that exists amongst the royal family. But before we talk about porphyria, let me just address one other thing about Prince Charles living in Transylvania, which I think is fucking funny that in my research I did not find anyone mentioning this. So this is this is how much of a nerd I am that I know useless information. So vampires literally need in certain cases, in certain mythologies, but mostly in Romanian vampire mythologies, the the vampire needs dirt from their land in order to survive. They need to sleep on the dirt of their land. Ergo, is Prince Charles a vampire? If he is a vampire, it does make sense that he will need to sleep in so in Romanian soil, in Transylvanian soil every once in a while. Just saying, just saying, if he is a vampire, if if he is a sparkly, sparkly little vampire, he will need to sleep in Romanian soil. Just saying. But let's talk about, let's talk about porphyria. And a side note, a medical side note. Porphyria is a group of liver disorders in which the substance called porphyrins build up in the body, affecting in a negative way the skin and nervous systems. Porphyrins are essentials for the blood. Porphyria has been suggested to be the possible explanation for the origins of vampires and werewolves. This theory has been rejected by a few folklorists and researchers as not accurately describing the characteristics of the original werewolf and vampire legends or the disease. This theory could potentially bring some stigma towards people with porphyria. Some notable cases of porphyria are King George III, Mary Queen of Scott, Maria I of Portugal, Vadim Paila, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and I did not know this, so you guys are gonna get your panties blown like I got my panties blown when I saw this information. Vincent van Gogh may also have had porphyria. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Now we continue. One other, other side note. This is this is not this is not something that I wrote down. This is something I just this is something right now. It is it is inspiring at the moment. So you're witnessing magic. Uh, in an episode of Doctor Who, uh, 
when the Tenth Doctor and Billy Piper playing Rose were in Northern Ireland, uh, I think it was Scotland. Yes, they were in Scotland. There, they encounter a werewolf. Uh, the werewolf scratches a tiny little scratch on Queen Victoria's hand. She covers her her hand, uh, keeping it a secret. The show ends stating that the royal family are werewolves. And it does give some pretty good it does give some pretty good statement. It's like, first of all, they do like hunting. They're very private. Their their castles have huge expenditures of land. Expenditures is probably not a real word, but you whatever. They have huge amounts of land. Again, they're very secretive. They have people who spin stories around them. So again, it could be possible if they are vampires or if they are werewolves. You know, they could go to their secret, you know, palaces up in Scotland with all that land. And they could, you know, undress on the light of the moon and go hunt. Although the idea of Prince Charles undressing is nasty. Gross. Let's talk about subject number two in the Royals Conspiracy. Princess Diana was murdered. Now, talking about Princess Diana is a very, very subject topic. Because Diana was very much beloved by people. She She's the people's princess. You know, she's another one of those, where were you when Princess Diana died? You know, situations. I was playing outside, riding my bicycle. So, you know, the, the, her her story, her narrative is such, it's such a beautiful and tragic and sad story at the end of the day throwing in the possibility that the that she was murdered i must say it like lights a little fire in my curiosity that i'm just it is possible it is very possible and i this is i i will say this this is one that i stand on this is this is a this is a theory that although a lot of the possible components that make part of this theory, I don't fully agree with. Possibility that, yes, that she, I do believe that she could have been murdered. I do stand on that. I do stand on the possibility of Princess Diana being murdered. And I will die on the day. You know, I'll die. I'll die on that rock of her being murdered. All right, let's continue. One of the biggest theories involving the British royal family centers around the possibility of the involvement with the death of Princess Diana. The theory states that she didn't die in a car accident, but she was deliberately murdered, and the scene was made to look like an accident. A lot of the investigations and experts in, in inquests have all agreed that the official accounts of the events is that Diana, Princess Diana, was killed as a result of an accident caused by her driver, Henri Paul, who had been drinking that night so the whole thing plays out like this they are in a restaurant in the hotel ritz they are heading out it's diana the driver her boyfriend at the time uh this uh guy named mohammed uh Fayed, who go by who goes by dodi dodi uh it was him and some other person her bodyguard so it's four people and they go in the car you know, they are speeding off because they're being chased by the paparazzi. And then they go into the tunnel and they hit a pole. 
most of them were not wearing their seatbelts. It is believed that if Diana would have worn her seatbelt, she could have survived. Um, at least she could have survived longer and got, got, gotten the help. They were not wearing the seatbelts and the impact of the of the accident didn't uh like visibly didn't hurt her like f she she physically looked fine there was i think uh, the report said i was reading she had a little blood dripping but in the inside her there was a, a really thing uh there were some capillaries or veins or something they broke inside of her near her heart and that started bleeding she was bleeding internally she was basically you know dying very slowly and by the time she got to the hospital it was already too late and she was pronounced dead that that one hurts that one hurts but let's 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 get let's go to a brief um side note on the life of princess diana very brief because she, she's a beautiful lady and we always have to talk about her uh diana was born diana francis spencer on july 1st 1961 she was born into nobility and grew up close to the royal family she became engaged to Prince Charles, heir to Queen Elizabeth, at the age of 19. Prior to the wedding day, they only saw each other 13 times. Charles was 32 and Diana was 20 when they married. I think, wait, no. Yeah, he was 32 and she was 19 when they got engaged. And she was 20 when they got married. And she was 21 by the time she had Harry. Well, uh, William. So yeah, it was, it was one thing after the other, super quickly, the event. Yes, their wedding took uh, took place July 29th, 1981. It was a very big uh, televised event. Uh, the couple had two sons, William and Hen Harry. To say that Diana and Charles were a bad match is a simplification of the matter. By 1992, the couple had separated because the queen had to step in and tell them to do it. Uh, the situation kept on getting so bad, the media was starting to report on their problems that by 1996, they officially divorced. And besides Princess Margaret, the Queen's sister, uh, Prince, uh, Prince Charles and Princess Diana's divorce was like the only other big, 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 big uh, royal family divorce scandal that I can think of. I don't think the Fergie one counts. Uh, the Fergie and Prince Andrew one counts because... Prince was a nasty piece of work. So yeah, let's continue on. There are several theories that that uh, point to the possibility that Diana could have been murdered. Granted, there there's a lot. There's a lot more than the ones I'm going to I'm going to talk about today. But these are the ones that I at least I I kind of somewhat agree with, and ones that I just don't because it 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 it, it could have it was easily proven that some of these. This one of them in particular was not true. Now, and I'll let you know which one it is. But let's begin with the, with the... So one of these theories that brings into question the validity of the events of Diana's um, death is the one about the alcohol presence in the driver's blood. It had been claimed that he had three times the legal limit of alcohol in France. But the CCTV... Uh, images of Henry Paul of that night are seen. They, 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 he looks normal. He doesn't seem to be drunk. He 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 appears very much in control of himself. He's acting like a like a sober person, and again, he does not appear to be drunk. 
there's theories that says that oh he he was an alcoholic and he could have hold his alcohol um a little better so but again it it's it doesn't you know with the image that is seen of him in the in the recording but what's the record says it's you know doesn't seem the same okay uh, Richard Tomlinson, uh, a former MI6 agent who was dismissed from the intelligence agency, claimed in a sworn statement to the French police that the British MI6 had some involvement in the death of Diana. So, it basically saying that British intelligence forces, you know, had to had some involvement in this, which is again, this is this is where I go a little. Not so conspiratories. I do believe that one. I do believe that if if Diana was indeed murdered, MI6 had something to do with it because they are the British intelligence, just like the CIA here. I believe that it could have been possible. It could have been possible that they, if they had some involvement or direct message from the crown or the government themselves, they were like, hey, we need her to be taken care of. It would have been MI6, the people who would have coordinated how to do it. And I do believe that if that's if it is very possible that if she was murdered, they had the big hand and in involvement in it. So that's all I'm going to say about that one, because I'm going to start rambling about it. Uh, a theory as to why it links to the possibility that MI6 was involved in, in her killing was because Diana was pregnant at the time. That is the theory. The theory states that she was possibly pregnant at the time of the accident and that's why she was killed to uh quiet that down so yes the idea that within the british royal family the future king of england will have a half brother who is egyptian muslim will not be tolerated uh Mohammed Al-Faid, Dodi's father, claimed that Prince Philip, the Prince of Wales, the Diana's sister, and numerous others were involved in the plot to kill the princess and his son. Al-Faid has made further claims that on um, the Monday after the crash, the couple had made plans to announce their engagement. Uh, to say that the British royal family is racist is like saying the British royal family is racist. Because, I mean, come on. We all know. We all know. We ain't, we ain't that, we ain't that uh, uh, unaware of who some of these people are. Let's, let's look what they did to Meghan Markle. Because, again, if the possibility that she was pregnant, this could have been a reason for it. Okay, it exists within the room, possibly. But it's also true that she... It, when they did, you know, in her records of when they were... You know, of her death and stuff like that. It doesn't... There's nothing about a pregnancy, you know? It doesn't say anything about her being pregnant. Granted, again, it's a piece of paper. A paper could have been altered. That piece of, this piece, piece of information could have been eliminated and taken from it. But again, what if she was pregnant and MI6 killed her because she was going to have a baby that was not white and the British family did not like that? I mean, it's possible. It's possible. It's within the realm of possibilities that we're discussing. Again, 
documents say she wasn't, but within the realm of possibility, it is something that we have to take into consideration because the multiverse is a real thing. And, and within the multiverse, there could be the possibility that Diana was murdered because she was pregnant. All right, let's go. Uh, another uh, indication, another uh, conspiracy of surrounding around the reason why MI6 couldn't have been involved is because there is an absence of the CCTV images from the tunnel. It, 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 they don't have the images showing the Mercedes going from uh, the hotel to the crash site. There's, there's missing pieces of it. Uh, according to the independent newspaper in 2016, there are more than 14 CCTV cameras in the Pont de la Main underpass, and none recorded the fatal collision. How, wow, like, th th were they all on maintenance that day? Again, this is just me going a little, a little paranoid crazy crazy with this one, but let's give the possibility that MI6 being involved Cameras are off. Boom, boom, kachu. Princess Diana goes dead. Again, we're talking about possibilities within the multiverse that this is possible. I'm not saying that it's true. You don't have to jump on the same bandwagon as me. I'm not saying drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm saying just sip the Kool-Aid a little bit. Let's go on. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Look. So analysis of the wreckage of the Mercedes showed that it, it had a glancing contact with the white Fiat Uno car that left traces of the paint in the Mercedes. The French police conducted an extensive search of the Fiat but were unsuccessful in finding it. Some witnesses reported seeing a Fiat Uno exiting the tunnel. Alright, this one. This one blew my pants. Like... Total cream, my pants. Okay, like I did, I did not know this one. I, I, I've read it in a, I heard it in another podcast before when they were mentioning it, and I shat myself because I was like, so it's possible that the car was hit. It's possible that the car could have been slightly nudged towards the direction of the pole. It's possible that the involvement of the paparazzi taking pictures was to distract the driver to create a. A, a, a mirage, an illusion as to why the crash happened. But in reality, this this white Fiat Uno was the, let's see, the, 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 the main push as to where the, the Mercedes ended. You know, again, again, you're here with me. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. We we're 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 deep in the Kool Aid at this point, so let's just let's just let's just keep going because the Kool Aid is good and the the Kool Aid is hot. So and it's not hot; it's cool. It's nice and it's nice. It's a nice cool ice filled Kool Aid, but we're 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 deep in it. So let's continue. Around 2016, media discussions began about Diana's faithfulness with wearing her seatbelt. It was revealed that both her seatbelt and Dodie's seatbelt were not working, suggesting possible sabotage. I mean, girls. And boys. And, and everyone in between. The seatbelts. The seatbelts. Uh, and this one, this one for me. This one for me. Again, I, I read it. I read it in so many articles about her religiosity with wearing her seatbelts. And again, you could 
there's you could also argue that you know when she was being driven around in cars by other people by you know by famous people but by, by her drivers and stuff like that you know you go in the car and you you know you keep going when you it's like when you go on a limousine you know you just get on the limousine and you don't wear a seatbelt it's 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 that sort of same mentality it could be that it could be also that they were driving less than two miles from the hotel to Dodie's apartment right there in Paris. It was just two miles. You know, it's possible that they were just the, by the distance. They didn't wear the seatbelt because they didn't think you know, they weren't thinking. But the possibility that the seatbelts were sabotaged with purposely. And then the, the possibility that the white Fiat nudged the car with the distraction of the paparazzi, with all the flashing and the pictures and all the and the, the chasing and all of that. It does, it does, it does to me say murder. It does say to me that if the pot, if there's, if there's this possibility does exist, it does say to me, she could have been murdered. You know, we again too late now to go back. We're we've we're deep in this Kool Aid. We're enjoying the Kool Aid together. We're just gonna keep going in it because we're just cross a threshold that you know Prince Charles is a vampire and now Princess Diana is has been murdered. Too late to go back. We're here. We're gonna keep going a little further in because we're gonna talk about ancient astronauts. So the theory states that humankind in ancient times and prehistoric times were visited by extraterrestrials et came here you know et with this little green finger came here with a little fucking light light up finger came here to earth and helped guide humanity towards our future it, it, they they influence our religion they influence our cultures they influence our technologies and they influence human biology so basically, if you saw the movie Prometheus, that's kind of that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Uh, other terms that are used for ancient aliens are uh, ancient euphonauts, ancient space pilots, paleo contacts, and in some cases, gods. All right, I know, right? Let's just let's just process that. Let's just process that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little side. I have a little story about that. I used to work in a a rescue dig site in Puerto Rico as a volunteer archaeologist. Uh, and I used to go there with my little Indiana Jones hat. I was very proud of my hat, very proud of my look. And one day, me and the head archaeologist are talking about, you know, all this stuff about aliens and the possibility, all these things. And there was this dude there. I remember his name, Omar. Omar, if you ever hear this, you suck. He's probably not going to hear this, but he's still, he sucks. Um, and he literally lost his god-fucking-mind because I said that it's possible it could happen. I wasn't saying it. I wasn't saying that it definitely happened, that you 110% have to go with this. No, I was saying that within the realms of possibility, it's possible aliens came here and helped humanity. He flipped his shit saying that it was that was disrespectful that archaeology proven that humanity is capable of all of this and then the archaeologist who's sitting next to me literally goes to him and say he said it's possible 
if it's possible, it's possible. Within the realms of possibility, anything's possible. So, going with that, uh, two uh, side notes. Uh, the, the, there's two, these two figures, uh, Eric von Doniken and Giorgio Sokopoulos. I, I, I'm pretty sure I fucked up that boy's name. I'm sorry, bro. Uh, these are two main proponents in the field of ancient aliens. Uh, they're both Swiss writers. Uh, von Doniken is an author of several books that made claims about extraterrestrials influencing early man. Uh, he's one of the main figures responsible for the term paleocontact and the ancient alien hypothesis. His best-selling work, Cherry of the Gods, published in 1968, the book proposed the hypothesis that technology and religion of many civilizations were given to them by these ancient astronauts, who were then viewed as gods. Uh, Giorgio Socapulus, Socalos, the dude who has the weird fuzzy hair up and says aliens. His, him. I'm talking about him. Um, he's another. Uh, he's another Swiss writer. Like I said, he's an ufologist and a TV presenter. He's another well-known face when it comes to the promote uh, to the promotion of the theory of the involvement of extraterrestrials in the beginnings of early humankind. He was a consulting producer of 23 episodes of Ancient Aliens in the History Channel. Great programming. Uh, <laughs> actually, do. No, 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 no. For realsies, though, I do like Ancient Aliens. This is a pretty good show. Pretty good show. He was also a co-founder of Legendary Times Magazine. And as I said, you probably know him because of that meme of the hair and the hands. It goes, aliens. That's the dude. That's the dude. So, uh, the proponents of the theory argue that the evidence for this can be found in, hu- in our human history. Oh, well, m- more in our lack of human history. They're saying that the gaps in our human history kind of explain why the possibility of ancient aliens is true. Because there's there's significant leaps in our evolution and our advancement. And that, to them, states that it's possible that we have had had some help reaching that uh, state of ev- or, or evolution, social evolution or human evolution, blah, 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 blah. But it states that the, the gaps or the missing years, the missing historical documented his- uh, history of mankind, it helps explain why ancient aliens is possible in our history. They point out archaeological artifacts that can be deemed anachronistics. They point out archaeological facts that they deem anachronistic or beyond the accepted technical capabilities of the historical cultures within they're connected with. They're saying that one of the main points, main proofs of this, is is when artifacts that are not supposed to be present in that period or time are there. Um, And one of the example of this is the Baghdad battery. The other one example of this is that it's I think it was the it's a Greek computer. It's something like it's not a computer computer, but it's, it's meant to be a computer. It's, but uh, it's sort of these weird artifacts that you you see and then you're just like this doesn't you know it it doesn't seem like it belongs in this period. So that's what the term anachronism is is it's basically it's two greek words it's the word ana which means against and chronos which is time and the term means that there's chronological inconsistencies in a person events objects etc that's what i said uh the most common form of this is objects is objects that you when they're found in certain periods they don't make sense being there uh these, these objects are sometimes referred to as out of place artifacts okay 
that was a sign note. These beliefs of the theory suggested that ancient texts could be interpreted through the different lens. Uh, uh, the believers of this theory uh, states that uh, ancient books, like religious texts, uh, could be used as a way to uh, further promote or further give strength to their idea to their to this theory it states that if you take a book a book a book from the bible or an ancient book from these cultures and you take the passage in which they're referring to the gods descending from the clouds and all this stuff and, and you filter all of that stuff out all the poetic um symbolism out you you can get you know aliens in spaceships coming down that's basically that's basically one of the things they keep saying is the key the key word for that specific theory is when the gods descend from the skies that is the word that they often attribute that these are spaceships arriving the the, the modern another example in modern day culture is when during the 27th, 20th century when cargo ships would sometimes encounter you know these remote islands and the natives were there and then the natives you know were perceived these people at as like gods you know it, it was not always the case but you know that it's sort of the same thing or if you want to go for a little further back uh when the his when the spaniards came to puerto rico or the boringan back in in the in the 15th century you know when they arrived on the waters of the caribbean the natives there saw them as gods they 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 worshiped them as gods and they arrived on ships, they, these vessels, they transported them. And then the Spaniards, what did they do? Ex that's right, kids. They fucked things up. Exactly. Now let's move on. Move on. All right. In the Hindu faith, the gods and their avatars would often travel from one place to the next on these flying vehicles called the Vimana. The Vimana are often described as flying palaces or chariots. Von Daniken discusses in his book that the Vimana described in the Ramayana are actually spaceships. They're ships that they, that the Hindu gods would use to, you know, move about. And I was watching, actually, I was like, this was the episode that I was watching of Ancient Aliens before I started recording. Uh, uh, and they were describing the the ship. It was I think it was they were describing this ship, and they were describing a uh, the ladder station or something from Ezekiel, I believe. And the way that he the way that they connected both of them together basically said that um, the ship and the the ladder the station basically. They matched. It was saying that oh, if you put them together, it's a docking station for a spaceship. Basically, that's the that's the theory. That's what that's the theory. I know it was like it was just I'm trying to squeeze through my brain the the, the words, but that is the that is the, the the statement itself. It says that the ships, the Vermana ships, would dock on these stations that are described in the book of Ezekiel and the Bible. Okay, but you know now now that's a quick little beautiful si segue to talking about the Bible. Because, I mean, it wasn't enough that we talked about the Bible last time. Let's talk about the Bible again this time. But in this context, about aliens. So, uh, there are several instances in which uh, uh, one can interpret ancient alien theory through the Bible. Uh, the biggest example of this could be in the chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel. It, this book is this, this chapter is retelling a vision of Ezekiel of an immense cloud that contains fire and emanates lightning and a brilliant light. It, con it continues to describe uh, these four-winged creatures uh, who were somewhat humanoid. 
they're described as uh, speeding back and forth like flashes of lightning and fire uh, back and forth of, among them. Uh, the passage, the passages uh, also describe what looks like a wheel within a wheel. Uh, these wheels will move and the creatures will move around them too. Again, Van Doniken and a, a bunch of other uh, ancient alien uh, theorists uh, proposed that basically Ezekiel was watching uh, spaceships. He, 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 they said that the theory proposed that um, Ezekiel was, was looking at an uh, inter, intergalactic uh, spaceship fighting shooting you know they were attacking each other so that's basically what the theory states there's another one about the ark of the covenant it says that the ark of the covenant was the 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 way the ark people will react towards the ark of the covenant the radi it's basically radiation and poisoning uh how the the side effects of the people that will get sick from it um and that is another indication that there's possibility that it could have been ancient alien technology that was stored within the house of the the ark of the covenant that was used during those quote unquote 40 years of the Jews walking of the Hebrews I'm sorry walking through the desert to reach uh the promised land and it's it's the theory states that within the ark of the covenant it had a, the machine that was called the mina machine and that machine was the what, what gave them the, the their food but it was powered by radiation and, and if if certain people who weren't deemed worthy or didn't have the protective vestments to stand before it will get sick that's the that's the thing about the that's yeah that's basically it that's the whole shabow about it okay now, the last topic we're going to talk about, and this is because so many of my friends kept mentioning this one over and over and over again. And I was like, fuck it. Let's let's talk about reptilians. All right. So the reptilians or reptoids, lizard people, draconites or Salurians are a supposed reptile humanoid race. The idea was made popular by David Icke, a conspiracy theorist who claims shape-shifting reptilian aliens control earth by taking on human form if that doesn't sound familiar give it a second because i'm going to say something else and it's going to sound hella familiar okay the cons the conspiracy states that a tall blood drinking shape-shifting reptilian humanoids from the alpha draconis star system alpha draconis crafty name uh came to earth and are hiding here this is basically the plot of captain fucking marvel okay this is basically it. it's basically green lizard looking dudes came to earth they shapeshift and they hide that's captain marvel and for any of you who don't like captain marvel screw you it's a good movie it just needs a lot of work but it's it's great movie so they are basically behind a worldwide plot against humanity david ike also claims uh the the ancient and modern leaders are related to reptilians uh this lineage of reptilian leaders uh includes the merovingian dynasty the rothschilds the bush and the british family again the british families not reptiles they're vampires or werewolves we already discussed this too late now now one last story about the reptilians and this is a personal personal reptilian story all right so here we go i was working in a job that I will only refer to as Smarns Mobile. And there one night I was working my first event at Smarns Mobile. And the event was a book signing for Joel Osteen. Let me start with that man is tiny, 
very thin, has a huge mouth. And then he had this 80 mullet party fro curly hair thing. He got there. There was a bunch of like old women and dudes and they were super excited to be there. I I do remember there was a couple who claimed to be Democrats, but they they were supporting Trump. And I was like, girl, that's 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 some hate for for more hate crime right there. Um, But they were old. So understandable. Um, But yeah, the so. The whole thing is, Joel Osteen gets there. I'm supposed to be stationed next to his desk. So once the people sign, I escort them. You know, I help them move along so they know where they're supposed to go. So Joel Osteen gets there. He goes to the bathroom, does whatever the hell he has to do in the bathroom, which I'm pretty sure he was adjusting his reptile skin. And he comes back out, greets the people, shakes people's hands, go back and starts sitting down and, you know, talks and starts signing. I'm standing about, I'll say, five feet away from the dude. And I'm looking towards his side. And I notice that he has, like, a weird scar on, like, around the back of his neck. Uh, like, around like, the back of his ear. Like, around that area. It's a really thin, white scar. And I just keep staring at it. I'm staring at it. And I'm like, huh. Isn't that what the, the, the reptile people have? Like, isn't that, like, that lizard thing? That's the scale. Like, you know. It, it, that is my story about reptilians and on earth you know it's that weird encounter where joe olsen and that little white line on his the back of his ear which states that obviously joe olsen is a reptile oh and also a greedy motherfucker so yes uh i i stand on that one that joe olsen is both for those things um uh, but yeah you know in conclusion to this whole thing i think conspiracy theories are a hoot nanny and by hoot nanny i mean they're quite dangerous and some of them are quite fun but some of them are balls crazy you just have to pick your litter basically it's the whole thing uh conspiracy theories everyone has their their choices of what you want to believe in and what you don't want to believe in i mean you you've been here with me for this while you drank your kool-aid i'm sorry i slipped you some kool-aid you didn't notice and you drank it you're here we talked about some crazy things we talked about diana being murdered we talked about you know Prince Charles being a vampire, QAnon, feral people living in the forest. And again, I like to approach these things from the realm of within the multiverse, the all things are possible. But you also, again, all things are possible, taking to grand assault the information you know, what you're, what you're given. It is what you have to consider, you know, whether or not you want to stand stand on that ground that, yeah, it is, it's possible that, you know, feral people exist. It's possible that Diana was murdered, you know, stuff like that. There's simple things within the realms of conspiracy theories that can be taken as possibilities. But, you know, but shit crazy things like Trump being the savior of humanity from a global satanic cabal. It's like... You know, that's that's deep Kool-Aid stuff there, guys. That's that's too deep of the Kool-Aid that I don't even want to drink because I'm pretty sure that's the gross flavor. But, you know, we don't drink gross, gross flavor Kool-Aid here. We drink the good shit. Um, but, yeah, that is that is that is all I got today for conspiracy theories. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that my, my nonsense rambling of my voice was was all the soothingness that you guys need. And I am, I'm sorry for those of you who hearing my voice made you cream your pants. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a wonderful experience that you, you got. And I got here talking to you guys. And uh, 
it's 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 cool because I can finally say that all the years of talking to myself has paid off. That I can hold a conversation with absolutely no one except this microphone, and it, and it works. But I would like to let you guys know that we have some future episodes already planned. I can't give you the dates because God knows when I'll be publishing this stuff. But these are the future episodes that we're going to be tackling on coming soon. So like I mentioned, this is Conspiracy Theories Part 1. And then we're going to have Conspiracy Theories Part 2. Mamma Mia, here we go again with Juck Dunn. He's going to come back for that one. And then the next episode, we're going to be, it's going to be the Ancient Masters. Why are you taking too long? And in that one, I'm going to be joined by Isandra. We're going to be talking about the Anunnaki. Uh, we're going to have a special guest in our next one of our next episode, one of our episodes. And that episode's going to be called Boo Goes in the Spooks of Tennessee. And I'm going to be joined by Josh Braslow. He was a reporter here in Tennessee. I did not write anything. I just put Josh Braslow. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then we're then the next boo two two boobies ghosts and real hauntings it's gonna be another ghost episode we're gonna make i'm gonna be joined by my best friend carrie and we're gonna talk about ghosts again because you know that's uh, it's the spooks months and we're gonna talk about the goats and then a super special episode gonna be titled i know what you are say it a twilight fan and i'm gonna be in conversation with hey bianca j from tiktok and we're gonna talk about our love-hate relationship with twilight because we're adults who read twilight and as young people and for some odd reason we've been scarred by it this 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 is cheaper than therapy so yeah that is that is everything that's coming up in the next few months or next few weeks few weeks yes few weeks let's not say months few weeks with uh stuff that we're obsessed with thank you for listening today please follow us on twitter and on Instagram, uh, uh, things on th- Twitter, we are at we. Wait, see. On Twitter, we are we underscore are we on this. Wait, 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 wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. On Twitter, we are at we underscore are just the letter R underscore obsessed. Same in Instagram. You guys, this is this is this, this is amazing because I don't know half the shit I'm saying half of the time and just rambling and sometimes it comes out beautifully. Sometimes it doesn't. But unfortunately you're still here, so you have to listen. And yeah, just you know, keep listening. We'll we'll get better with things and have fun and we're gonna keep talking about weird shit that no one wants to talk about or too many people are talking about it and I'm just gonna talk about it some more. So keep listening and don't drink kool-aid that i didn't give you because i know where i found that kool-aid okay well goodbye uh uh behave um wash your hands wear a mask and go get vaccinated because i want to go to disney world i I, I just